Our Father, thank you that that you loved us so much that you not only spoke the name, but you became flesh and dwelt among us. And then, and God, this mystery that I barely understand, you entrusted that name to us and gave us the privilege and gave us the right. You gave us the authority and you gave us the power to speak that name. So in that power and authority, we speak the name right now. Ready, congregation? Jesus. Say it one more time, would you? Jesus. Holy Spirit, search our hearts, would you, right now? If right now just the name of Jesus is, is driving us away, God, we just, we just recognize right now what that is. And we declare that, that Satan and the world and our own flesh have no power over us. Amen? We declare that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord of our life. Amen? So in that mercy, in that grace, in that forgiveness, God, we entrust to you everything. And your Holy Spirit's bringing it to mind right now. Everything in us that is not of you. And in the name of Jesus, we ask forgiveness, God. In the name of Jesus, we renounce those things that are not of you. In the name of Jesus, we renounce our sin. And in the name of Jesus, right now, we receive your forgiveness and grace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. But God, having been forgiven, now we think about the people in our lives. We think about our, our families, God. And over our families, we speak the name of congregation, Jesus. We think about our workplaces, those places where we spend so much time each day, either in professional work or for many of us in volunteering. And over those people that you have entrusted to us in our workplace, we speak the name of congregation, Jesus. And over our neighbors and over this neighborhood called Vogel, over this city, we speak the name of, help me, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are our deliverer. Thank you that you came not only to deliver us, but through us and the name of Jesus to deliver our families, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our city, our nation, our world. God, this morning we just embrace that task. We confess that we are not worthy of so great a trust, but we know that Jesus is. We confess that our own strength is not enough, but you have given us Jesus, and his strength is perfect. So, God, we, 
We lift up our heads boldly. We gaze upon the beauty of our Lord and Savior and say, in whatever way you choose, Jesus, use us for the purposes of your kingdom. Amen. God will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Would you pull up your phones or your Bibles where you see the Bible starting to filter back into the pews at whatever level you are comfortable. We just encourage you, um, keep the Word of God before you. And today we have um, several passages. We're going to have to really book it today um, because I want to give you, again, the tools that will enable you to go from this place as early as, how's this for optimism, 40 minutes from now, and and have everything that you need to impact your world, to impact his world for the name of Jesus. So let's let's go to his word, which is our guide, which is our comfort, which which speaks into our life and um, and draw strength and wisdom and really practical tools from it. We're going to go to two places today. We're going to go to the place where Jesus entrusted uh, the mission to his uh, Twelve disciples, and then a chapter later in Luke where he entrusted it to the 72. Start with me in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Many of you in your small groups this week will have a chance to go much deeper into these things. But let's start together in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. And Jesus called the twelve together and gave them, there it is, power and authority over all demons... And to cure diseases. Wow. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have even two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from that house depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Note, he's saying, speak prophetically to the world around you. Verse 6, they departed and they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The very word of God. Now, thank you, God. May this word find fertile soil and, and uh, transform us, God, so that we live this word as we leave this place today. Mm. Now, we'll turn with you just one chapter to the right. I'm, I still use a paper Bible. That's one chapter to the right. Flip over there on your phones. Uh, Luke chapter 10. Now he's doing the same thing, not just with the 12 with whom he had spent so much time, but now with the 72, so you're seeing that there's a much larger group of disciples, men and women, whom Jesus was pouring his life into, but note here, with whom he was entrusting the gospel. He was entrusting the name of Jesus. Luke 10, beginning at verse 1. After this, it's always important to go back and look at the after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. That's really important. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly 
to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way and behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Some marketer needs to get a hold of Jesus, right? And say, that's not the way you sell um, the laborers of the gospel. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. But Jesus pulled no punches. He wanted us to understand completely what we were getting into. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son or a person of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Isn't that interesting? Peace is palatable, right? You can, you can sense it. If, it's, if there's not a person of peace there, it will return to you. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. When you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, there's the words again, the kingdom of God has come near. The very word of God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that, that right now, God, you would allow us a couple of things, not leaving your presence for even a moment, God, but would you open our minds and our hearts that we get really conditioned to thinking about things in certain ways and, and we become habituated to things that, that might not be from your word. And I just pray, as we sang earlier, that you would just break uh, not only the, the substance addictions, but also the thought addictions that keep us from hearing you when you speak. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mm. Well, I just want to note as we begin the critical role of peace, of peace, right? In in um, discipleship and in fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Let's just remind ourselves again. I'm sorry. Um, I, I tend to not want to say the same things over and over again, but I know that we need to hear them over and over again in order for them to take root in our hearts. Let's think for just a second. What is this biblical peace that we are talking about? Right. In Greek, it's uh, it's it's uh, Irene, but we get the name Irene from that. Um, but it's a translation of a Hebrew word, shalom. Have you heard that word before? Shalom, right? And, and shalom is wholeness, W-H-O-L-E, wholeness, right? In other words, it's kind of like a, like a picture word, a picture uh, of, of, of what it means to be everything that God created you to be. Now, now, without wholeness, what do we have? Without wholeness, we have fragmentation, right? Do you ever feel? Do you ever feel fragmented? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. 
I feel that on a regular basis. Now, again, remember I said that peace is palpable, right? And so, so uh, a fragmentation is palpable as well. And so when I'm, what I'm trying to do is to say start uh, learning to walk in that peace so that you recognize when it is with you and you recognize when it is not with you, right? By the way, when it is not with you, run to Jesus, right? Go back. Go back to the source of peace. Paul said, he is our peace, Jesus, who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. So run back to Jesus, right? So peace is wholeness, the way God created us to be. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to hang on to that definition, kind of say there's there's other pieces out there. There there is a piece that the world gives. Right. I want you to consider three different sources of peace. And and one is our world so that you could go on the news and say, do we have peace in the world? Right. Uh, And 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 this has never happened, I don't think. But theoretically, there could be a time when there was no conflict anywhere in the world. And all those candidates for Miss America got their wish, right? Um, world peace, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think that there has ever been a time when there were not um, people warring against people. There certainly has not been in, in the 200 years that we have been a nation. Um, there certainly is not right now, amen? Um, so, so, but I want you to note that there is a peace that the world can give, right? And so that you can, you can have this artificial comfort believing that maybe you're safe from the violence or you're safe from the brokenness or the sin of our world, but it's an illusion, right? It is an illusion that that fragmentation is still out there. In a similar way, there's another kind of peace. So even though there might be conflict and struggle throughout the globe, there is a peace of soul that comes. Now, now Scripture is really clear. First Thessalonians 5, I want to say 23, but don't hold me to that, um, talks about us being body, souls, and spirits, right? And there is a peace that that we sometimes experience as a soul that is independent of whatever's going on in the globe, right? And, and that's a beautiful thing. I, uh, I love uh, following you on, on Facebook because I can see those times when God is doing something beautiful in your soul. Maybe you're, you're with your family or there's your child or grandchild took a giant step forward. I won't describe the giant step forward that my grandchildren are taking right now because it's pretty gruesome. It's good, but gruesome. You know what I'm talking about. And, um, and, and so your, your, your soul, uh, your, your humanness, you, you feel a wholeness. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Beloved, you're not just a body, and you're not just a soul. You are a spirit. And many of the people that you love, right? It's just so hard for my father as he tried to wrap his brain around what it meant to follow Jesus. And he said, I, just, I know all these people in my family who don't know Jesus but seem to have a soul piece, you know, and 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 praise God that that he was able to start thinking that way because because then it dawned on him right that even a soul piece is artificial if it does not make your spirit alive in Jesus, and so so uh, I, want, I just want to say that there there is a piece that even 
um, the people that you work with and your family members and say, I'm, I'm completely at peace. I don't need Jesus, right? And, and it's because they're not tapping into that, uh, the spiritual portion of their life. God created them as a spirit as well. And that spirit needs to be, needs to come alive. And so there's a third piece here that we're speaking of today that is a spiritual piece. It is the peace of Jesus, right? We spoke of it just moments ago. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace, right? There is another peace apart from world peace, apart from soul peace. There is another peace that, that only Jesus can bring. Soul, a spirit that is reconciled to the living God. He says, this is not like the peace the world gives you. And he, he says two really important things. Let not your hearts be troubled. And the literal word there is stirred up. And he stirred up hearts today. Right? Neither let them be afraid. Right? So this peace that Jesus is offering us is not the absence of conflict either globally or even personally. No, Jesus never promised that. This peace that Jesus offers is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ in the midst of it. In the midst of it. Are you, do you follow me now? You can be physically, emotionally, and spiritually at peace even in the midst of what looks to everyone around you like the darkest hour. Picture, if you, if you would, just for a second, those who have been persecuted, right? And, and almost with beatific faces, they, they, they seem to have an otherworldly peace about them, even as they are dying on the cross, even as they are burning at the stake, right? And thinking of Stephen especially. God gave him such a vision of Jesus that even as he was being stoned, right, he experienced that peace. So, so you've heard that word several times in our worship already today. I just want to anchor you in it. There is a peace that comes from the presence of Christ. And you are given that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But you still live uh, among people of unclean lips, right? You are people also of unclean lips, right? And you have to go back to that peace. You have to anchor yourself back in that peace. So I just want to note the critical role of peace. I'm afraid I'm not going to say it later, so I'm going to say it right now to be sure. Paul says that peace is so palpable that that you can discern through it, right? You can discern the will of God. How does he put it in Colossians 3.15? He says, let the peace of Christ umpire in your hearts, right? In other words, God, should I do this? Did God give you a peace about that? If not, don't do it, right? It, it actually directs. The peace of Christ directs your life. It is that palpable. You saw that in our passage today, right? Um, speak peace, right? And, and, and if your peace doesn't land, if it returns to you, then you, you know there's not a person of peace there. Can I practice on you just for a second? Peace of Christ be with you, right? 
She's wondering, I should say something. This was all for me. Um, uh, my peace didn't come back to me. It landed. And, and I know that you were a person of peace. I knew that actually in Hamilton Point uh, so many, how many years ago now, right? Um, I knew that immediately. I remember the first time in your office, the, I, the peace of Christ directed me to you. And so, so um, it's a palpable kind of thing. Don't, don't miss the critical nature of peace. Now, hang on to that for a second, and let's hear today Jesus' instructions to his people of peace about how to do what we challenged you to do last week, to make disciples who make disciples, how to be fruitful and multiply, right? To do that, we're going to go to Luke 9 and 10, but I want to just kind of couch it in this picture of the rhythm of discipleship, the rhythm of discipleship. I was I was sitting here watching our worship team prepare, and 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 you could just feel the rhythm of the band. This is going to start sound like a, a '70s song or something, but but um, and then and then once in a while, if someone got out of that rhythm, right, you could feel that. You could you could hear that. There is a rhythm of discipleship that Jesus is inviting you into. And if you miss this rhythm, then you'll feel out of step with, with Jesus. But, but if you can capture it, if you can step into it, if you can live into this rhythm, then, then your life will fulfill His calling. Your life will be fruitful. 30, 60, 100-fold, right? You will make disciples who also will then go out and make Disciples. Well, what is this rhythm that I'm, I'm alluding to here? I want to suggest to you one way, one way of understanding that is, is to see it as a rhythm of coming and going, right? Of coming and going, of gathering, right? There's a beautiful thing that happens when we gather, but there's a beautiful thing that happens when we disperse as well, when we go from here in the name of uh, and authority of Jesus, right? So, so the Lord calls together His disciples, and what does He do when He calls them together? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to say this is a, a, a recipe here, but it's what happened, and I believe anything that happened in the New Testament can happen today, right? That's a fundamental hermeneutic that, that many people in our culture, many Christians in our culture would say it does not happen. There's things that happen that don't happen anymore. I don't believe that. I believe that everything that happened in the New Testament can happen in your life as well. In fact, I, I think one of our problems is that we're not doing what they did in the New Testament, right? The church, and especially in North America and the Western world, has become its own little thing that has become disconnected from the pattern, from the rhythm that Jesus gave us. And so, so I want to just call you back to that rhythm, right? The Lord calls together his disciples. And what does he do? He gives them power and authority, right? When you speak the name of Jesus, you are given that authority and demons flee, right? People are healed. Generations are changed, right? Family trees are forever changed. Eternities are changed, right? Jesus gives you, follower of Jesus, that power and authority. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the power and authority that Jesus Christ has given you? Don't hear judgment in that. Hear invitation. 
want to invite you to live into who you are as a disciple of Jesus. Now, specifically, I'm going to move a little fast, but specifically, this power and authority is for spiritual warfare. Right? Again, if you want to follow up on it, just scribble into your notes right there. Ephesians 6, right? God gives you amazing power and authority to, to, uh, to fight in spiritual realms, right? For spiritual warfare. And, and the tools for that are, are precious gifts of God. You'll find them in Ephesians 6, right? But he also gives you amazing power. And, and again, Western Christians, it's going to be hard for us to wrap our brains around this, but he gives you amazing power to heal diseases. Now, don't just go into every every hospital ward and, and start speaking. If God doesn't tell you to heal disease, don't do it, right? Don't do it. Don't speak outside the authority of Jesus. But know this, that time is going to come when he is going to say to you, speak, speak it, right? And, and if, if your mind can't wrap around that, you're going to do what I've done so many times and say that was probably the pizza I ate last night. I'm not going to risk that, right? I don't want to look foolish, right? And praise God, he's not limited by my, my futile, minuscule obedience. Even when I refused to be his instrument, God used other people. Oh, so many stories are coming to my mind. Uh, I don't think I shared it with you, but um, not too long ago, I was I was preaching, and and a, and a person went into um, an epileptic seizure in in while I was preaching. Right? I think I was actually singing, but that now I'm starting to understand why they went into a seizure. But but I I it happened so suddenly, and I was so shocked that I did nothing. I did nothing. And Sue, about a 90-year-old woman, rolled over in her wheelchair, touched the person having the seizure, and spoke, you guessed it, help me, spoke what? The name of Jesus. And the seizure stopped. Nurses were scrambling, right? Seizure stopped. A couple weeks later, you'd think I would learn. A couple weeks later, I'm... Leading worship again, um, the same woman breaks into a seizure. You would think I would learn, right? God doesn't always give us a second chance, all right? She waited for me. Sue waited for me. I was still in shock. The seizure happening right before me. Sue rolls over again, touches the woman, speaks the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. Um, I'm ashamed to admit, right? Part of it was being caught off guard, but that's why we're talking about these things now. I don't want you to be caught off guard when God puts you in a situation, follower of Jesus, where you can speak healing, where you can speak it and and have it be so. I know all kinds of thoughts are going through your head. We'll talk about those another time about the ministry of healing. But... He gave them a power and authority. He gives you power and authority at his word. At his word to speak healing. I got to tell you one more story again to remind you of one. Cheryl Shoemaker, the daughter of Willie Shoemaker, was in the car with me. We were going to the mountains and she told us in the car that um, that she had cancer. She's all of 22 at the time. Right. And and. Uh, 
I wanted, I said, let's stop the car. Let's pray for you, Cheryl, right now, right? And she goes, not, not, not yet. I don't know if God wants to heal me of this yet. Wow. 22-year-old, right? Wow. God hadn't said to me or to her. So, so I just wanted to anchor you again. Don't be afraid because you'll know it when God says it. Just be ready, beloved. Be ready. And be ready to speak the name of Jesus. Be able to speak deliverance. Be able to speak healing in the midst of that. Do not miss the last one here. We're going to hit it real quick and leave. But to proclaim the kingdom of God. Maybe the greatest thing that you can do. Why? Because when you proclaim the kingdom of God, when other people come into the kingdom of God, then they receive that same power and authority. And you have multiplied then. You have multiplied the gospel. So be ready to proclaim. And we've been working with you to try and give you very simple ways to start. But it's as complex as the whole word of God at the same very at the very same time. Simple ways to proclaim the kingdom of God. So the Lord calls them together to give them power and authority. And then he pardon the way I'm saying this, but he co-missions them. He gives them meaning and purpose. Right. But it's meaning and purpose that's only found in him. He co-missions his disciples to go where he is about to go. Now, I told you, we're going to take this very literally. We're going to take this as like a how-to manual to do disciples. Jesus is going to impact something powerfully in your family, in your neighborhood, or in our city. And, and, and when he tells you what he's about to do, he sends you on ahead. He commissions you to go before him. And, and we're not going to have time later, so just note it's, it's always never alone. It's always two by two. Take someone with you. That's why our deacons and our elders always go in twos when they go out, right? Take someone with you, right? But let's stop for a second and say, what is this commission? I'm going to move fast here. But each one of these points is worthy of your going back and seeking God's face on, right? What is the commission? And I'm merging two passages now, three, Luke 9, Luke 10, and Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? What is the commission to pray for the Lord to multiply workers? Isn't that weird? <clears throat> he didn't say, go pray for these individual, excuse me, individual circumstances. He says, pray for more and, and here I'm going to translate workers, people of peace. Pray for more people of peace. Because people of peace are the ones God uses to advance his kingdom. Pray the Lord to multiply workers or people of peace. Use extraordinary prayer. We've been spending so much time trying to give you more and more tools to deepen your life of prayer. Um, uh, he gives you amazing tools to to um, come into his presence on behalf of those around you. But I just I'm so struck by noting that the first thing he says is not pray that the wars will see, not pray that the demons will be cast out, not pray that the people's bodies are healed. The first thing he wants us to pray for is for more people of peace. And then he says, I want you. Wow, that was awkward. I want you to become people of peace. 
I want you to be a person of peace. And we've taught on this before. Let me just remind you, it means that you're welcoming, right? You see every person that you encounter through the eyes of Jesus. You see them as a person worthy of your love and attention. You see them as a precious son or daughter of God and you welcome them. You welcome them. And then you open, and I'm going to use a Greek word here that we've explored together before, oikos, because it's much larger than just your home. Most people just translate that open your home. But it's your family, it's your, your ethnic group, it's your community, it's your network. Open your oikos. A person of peace is someone who God has already given influence within a larger network of relationships and and Jesus challenged his disciples to, to go and seek those kinds of people. But before you can ever seek them, you have to become one. We just add one more part of that definition of a person of peace. is someone who listens to truth about God. Again, you're saying, how can, I, how can I know? Is this person a person of peace? If they will not listen to truth. Do you ever watch those things, on those little... Those little interviews on the street, interviews on, on Facebook, and you just go, oh, my goodness, right? Now, they always ex- choose extreme examples, right? But it is astounding what people actually are thinking and believing, right? It's astounding. And, and so when you speak truth to them and they will not receive it, then that's a sign to you that that's not a person of peace. Ooh, this one's coming right back on me. If I hear truth... God's truth and will not orient my life around it, right? Choose not to orient my life around it, then I'm not a person of peace either, right? Woo. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? But beloved, I'm not doing you any favors. If you think that just coming to church, you know, makes you a person of peace, right? If somehow God keeps a little divine whiteboard and yep she went again right or he went no no his invitation is for you to become and a critical part of that is listening to the truth orienting your life around the truth right so lord calls together his disciples gives them power and authority he commissions them to go where he is about to go and then and then he says now i jumped over to matthew 28 in your going, right? In whatever you do, in your home, it's going fast, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in whatever you do, make disciples, right? And so, so we, we've focused on this before, but, but um, it is a command. That's why all our Bible translations translated just as this almost with an exclamation point, go, right? Go. Uh, um, but but it's actually in the middle voice that says, in your going, in what you're already doing, beloved, you, as a person of peace, are already in amazing p- places of influence. And for some reason, just to flash across my mind, Josie, some of the amazing networks uh, of those precious women that you hang with, uh, um, your friends, I've seen them around your lunch table. God gives every one of us people in our lives, a network of relationships in those relationships, in your going, starting with your home, then, then the places where you spend the most time, your workplace, the, the places where you live, your neighborhood, um, 
uh, in your going, in those places, make disciples. But then understand that there's going to come times in your life when Jesus says, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do a new work. I'm going to go to another place. And I want you to go there and prepare the way for me. I want you to go. We don't have time, but throughout the book of Acts, you'll see that disciples would go places and they would discover that someone had already been there, had prepared the way. And so when they presented the gospel, people, the last people they would expect to receive it did because God had sent people on ahead of them. He had sent them on ahead. So in whatever you do, and, and when you go where Jesus wants you to go, so many even in the room right now who who responded to that call. Yeah, this is this is my network where I'm most comfortable, but but I sense God is calling me. And so their small group kind of said, Okay, we're gonna pray for you, we're gonna pray daily for you. Go in Jesus' name and we will have your back. Go in Jesus' name wherever Jesus wants you to go. So he says, In your going, find people of peace. Again, this is going to sound just like a little recipe here, but but Jesus gives us a very simple principle for how to do this. Say, wherever you go, you can almost picture um, Barnabas and Saul standing in 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 a marketplace and saying, the peace of the crucified one be with you, right? That's Christ, crucified one, right? The peace of the crucified Messiah be with you, right? And Jesus says, in a smaller context, you can say even this more specifically, peace be in this office. Peace be in this home, right? In this sphere of influence. One thing he said to say is peace. Speak peace. Speak Jesus, right? My peace I give to you. Then he says another Another critical word, and don't miss this. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, here in that, now he's speaking oftentimes to Jews who thought they were in the kingdom of God, right? And so when he said to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you, he's saying, you're not there yet. Wow, that must have been hard, hard word to hear. And, and the same is true for us, for cultural for cultural Christians, for cultural, um, uh, for our nation, right? That, that to say to someone, the kingdom, what are you talking about? I'm in the kingdom, right? Oh, we got to hear this word. It is near to us. And a person of peace will hear that word of truth. And they will open their hearts and their homes and their lives to you, right? Say what Jesus wants you to say, but do also what Jesus wants you to do. You say the kingdom of God has come near to you and very likely then if there is demonic oppression going on, that's going to raise its ugly head. Do not fear. Don't, Don't be stirred up or afraid, right? Speak the name of Jesus into that. By the way, he gives you incredible power. Rebuke the evil one, right? And he will, help me, flee from you. He will flee. You have 
that authority and power. So, wow, um, say what Jesus wants you to say. Do what he wants you to do. Cast out demons. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Right? All of those things are validations of the word. They're validations of the proclamation that you made. And when people see the power uh, of the Holy Spirit working through you to uh, overcome demonic oppression and to overcome even physical uh, trials, then, then they'll say, tell me more. They'll either do that or they'll persecute you because you're a threat to their power structures. Say what Jesus wants you to say. Do what Jesus wants you to do. Disciple them in such a way that they are able to make disciples of Jesus. Disciple them in such a way that they are able. To, worship team, would you come on up? And let's just remind ourselves. What is the way that Jesus told us to make disciples? Immerse them. Immerse them. In Christian community, right? Wait, didn't it say baptize them, splash and dash, right? Um, hit them with water, and right? All, that's the symbol. What does it symbolize? It symbolizes immersion, baptism in the nature and character and community of the king. Immerse them in the nature and character and community of Jesus. And again, if you have forgotten, remember that vision that... For eternity past, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, all living together in perfect community. Now, now, right, um, that community is opened through the blood of Jesus to all of us. Now we can experience that same intimate love that the Father shares with the Son, that the Son shares with the Holy Spirit. That, that, that community is open to all of us. Immerse your new disciples in Christian community, right? Teach them. I'll just hit this for a moment because you've heard it so many times. Teach them. Don't teach for knowledge. The Holy Spirit will teach them through his word, right? John 6. God is able to teach them through his word. No, your job is to teach them to put it into practice. Your job is to teach them to obey what they already know, right? And then in this, in this beautiful in this beautiful opportunity, you can invite them to experience the peace or the presence of Jesus. The peace, excuse me, the presence is the peace, isn't it? Invite them to experience peace. Well, right about now, several of you are thinking, I'm not experiencing that peace. There's not, don't hear any word of condemnation. Just hear the sweet, sweet invitation of the Holy Spirit. You can have peace now. You can have it right now. Whether you've known Jesus for a long time and have, have just become a little distant and, and aren't experiencing that peace anymore, or whether you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. And have the peace which surpasses all understanding. Guard your heart and mind. Here it comes in Jesus, right? Remember when you were, um, some of you, when you were in college and you lived your life by Argus posters, right? 
these posters that had some little snippet of truth on them and some beautiful scene. Am I dating myself? Am I the only one that ever had an Argus poster on his wall? I remember one of them was this. It said, No Jesus, as in N-O Jesus. You don't have any Jesus. No peace. Right? <laughs> Bumper sticker theology, you guys, but it's, but it's good. Right? No Jesus. K-N-O-W. No Jesus. No peace. Now, Father, help us to know you. I know, God, the only way we go deeper with one another is when we allow ourselves to be affected by one another, when we receive from one another your words, when we are challenged by one another as iron sharpens iron to to go deeper with you. Help us, would you, God, today to know Jesus. God, I think of those who have never entrusted their life to Jesus and I just pray that you might grant them through your Holy Spirit God the courage to say today Jesus I believe that you are the Son of God I believe that you died for my sin and the sins of the world and that God as I surrender to you then your death becomes my death your life eternal becomes my life eternal. So I receive that truth today. I declare and confess with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. Congregation, if we just say that to help people who might be afraid to say it for the first time, let's say that together. Jesus, you are Lord. Would you say it one more time? Jesus, you are Lord. God, I pray just as you validated everything Jesus said by his resurrection, I pray that you would give us that mustard seed of faith to believe something that we've never seen, to believe that you raised Jesus from the dead to prove everything he said and did and lived. So God, today we declare one thing and one thing only. We declare that you are our deliverer. You are Jesus.